Hey, and welcome to The Riff. This is the short-form version of the Lit AF podcast. I'm your host, David Preston. Host of what really? I don't know, because I'm not really sure anybody's going to watch this. Um, I'm also streaming for the first time on YouTube, and it says moderation helps everyone feel safe. I don't know that moderation is going to make anyone feel safe in this world. Um, but The Riff is my unfiltered, unrehearsed, un-everything thoughts on what's happening in the world and how we can tell a better story about it using open source learning. Um, you can tell I'm at my desk. This is where the other magic happens when I talk about novels and do interviews with storytellers. Um, I hope that anybody who does wind up seeing this enjoys the less formal unfiltered version. Um, you can tell it's unfiltered because I'm wearing a different shirt. Super casual. I thought I would do this for the first time today because this morning I got into an argument with my car. And this is the kind of stuff that I hear people talking about all the time. You know, sometimes it's commentators in a very thoughtful, even academic way. Uh, sometimes it's consultants who get to really precise, you know, messaging types of constructs with clients, whether it's advertising or whether it's interpersonal communication for purposes of organizational development, once in a while, the most insightful observations I get from stand-up comedians. I think that George Carlin was probably the most amazing linguist of the 20th century. Um, why did I argue with my car, though? Well, what's important about that is um, I like to be in control of my car. I paid for it. It works for me. I grew up in Los Angeles so I have a bias about car culture. I'm a really good driver, I think. People who grow up in wide open spaces are not really good drivers, I think, because they seem to take all the room they need to make all the mistakes they want. Um, but the reason I got into an argument with my car was I never use the sensors. I, I It's like driving a, a miniature casino with all the beeps and constant alerts. I even had a rental car once where the seat vibrated when I changed lanes. That was really uncomfortable, but also like probably a sex toy rabbit hole for a different podcast. The one time, the one fucking time I let the sensors tell me what's important because I'm thinking about something different. I feel the impact and I knock over a bunch of bicycles in the garage. The one fucking time. And, oh, and yes, it's a Tesla. And, you know, would I have bought the car if I knew that Elon Musk was such a fucking whack job? No, I spent my entire adult life avoiding Fords because if I wanted to buy an anti-Semitic manufactured car, well, I would have bought a Mercedes. But back to the bicycles and the argument. The argument wasn't because the sensors didn't work and I knocked over the bicycles. The argument was when I put the car in reverse because I wanted to unback over the bicycles. It wouldn't go. And now it was saying, uh, I won't let you change gears because I'm concerned about uh, roll away uh, damage. Uh, roll away. What was the message? Ro yeah. Roll away damage. Where was the car when I had roll toward concerns? 
it's all my fault. And life is easier when I acknowledge that everything is all my fault because then I can do something about it and make it better. That's why I wound up teaching in the classroom. That's why I wound up creating open source learning. I strongly believe that if anyone is going to have the ball with a few seconds to go in the fourth quarter, I want that to be me. I'd like to take the responsibility for making something happen. Um, so I banged into the bicycles and I couldn't change gears. Um, you might be wondering at this point, well, hey, if you grew up in LA and you're such a good driver, how the fuck can't you pull into your garage? It's a fair question. I was distracted because I was thinking about you. <laughs> really, follow me on this. I was thinking about all of the people in my life who have studied advertising, created advertising, built and run companies who use a lot of advertising, and how I hate watching advertising. Um, we have YouTube TV at home, and I routinely fast forward through any commercials. I'm super pissed that rumor has it that Prime Video is now going to have commercials unless I pay fucking Jeff Bezos more money. Bezos, Bezos? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, if he pays me, I'll learn. So I'm in the middle of this thought process um, because of a commercial for Listerine. You know Listerine. Um, Listerine was invented as an all-purpose antiseptic and named after Dr. Joseph Lister. People used it way back in the late 1800s for everything from cleaning floors, scrubbing feet, uh, even apparently treating gonorrhea. This, <laughs> who knew? Now, I did research that because I didn't know that off the top of my head. Um, but that is the sort of high-quality information that uh, hardly anyone expects of me or Lit AF. But it's worth every penny you paid to watch this. Um, the commercial that I saw, though, claimed that Listerine is better than dental floss at removing plaque high on the gum line. Plaque high on the gum line. That sounds fantastic. I have no idea whether it's true. But I, what I do know is that J. Walter Thompson, who was the madman before there was mad men, uh, he was one of the originals. He was a titan in Madison Avenue, New York City advertising. And once upon a time, J. Walter Thompson famously observed that all of the most effective American advertising can be summed up in one word, fear. And what do Americans fear most? Being alone. Think about all the different commercials you've seen for all the different products. Just look, look at one commercial break in any show and check out all the people together, smiling, laughing, eating, drinking, playing, for every product, doesn't matter what the product is. Product could be beer, shampoo, trucks, laundry detergent, feminine hygiene products, pharmaceuticals with ridiculous names to pronounce and even more ridiculous long lists of side effects. Why would this be? Why would companies make the same sort of narrative for all of these different kinds of products, all of these different kinds of things to buy? Well, 
they know we don't want to die alone, which is exactly what they imply will happen if we don't buy all that stuff. Because there will be, we won't have that truck, so we'll be walking home from that party where we didn't bring that brand of beer and we showed up empty-handed and we're not cool and we didn't use that shampoo, so we're going to have greasy hair. We didn't use the hygiene products, so our crotch will stink and we'll have some ring around the collar because we didn't use the right laundry detergent and we'll probably have some mystery disease we don't even know about because we didn't ask our doctor. Yep, that's the message. Buy all that shit or no one will love you and you will die cold and alone. You would think that message would resonate now more than ever. We had the lockdowns from the pandemic. The United States Surgeon General came out with a whole book that basically said loneliness is the new smoking. Um, England recognized the economic impacts, not only the personal and the psychological impact, but the economic impact of loneliness and created a ministry of loneliness. The thing is, all of that is based on evidence we already have. That's telling a story about what's already happened. The clever fuckers at Listerine are in the reality creating business, the future creating business. They do that. They create our understanding of reality and they create our understanding of the future by telling a story. And that's why Lit AF and that's why open source learning have something to say about this. If you think it's an overstatement that Listerine is creating your sense of the future or an exaggeration, let's talk about that. Because I am actually the kind of guy who worries and wonders about whether there's a difference between calling something an overstatement or an exaggeration. And I definitely don't want to be guilty of either one of those things, much less hyperbole. Fuck hyperbole. So, yeah, definitely fuck hyperbole. So here's my evidence for telling you that Listerine and other advertisers have sold you way more than their products and services. Take bad breath, please, right? Uh, bad breath has been around since the first mouth. Um, ancient Egyptians made toothpaste out of embalming fluid. That's gnarly. Seriously, just pause on that for a second. What that means is that thousands of years before breath mints, thousands of years before halitosis, an Egyptian on a date, smelled another Egyptian's mouth and thought, oh shit, I have smelled corpses that I'd rather kiss. So here, eat this. Look, and before any Egyptians get offended, please, let's be clear. It, it's everybody. It's me. It's you. It's every world culture in history. The Romans made their slaves clean their mouths. The Chinese invented toothbrush uh, toothbrushes with bristles in the 1400s with, I think, um, some random, it was like boar's hair or something. And by the way, the Chinese were centuries ahead of everybody else on a toothbrush. But it didn't really matter until 1928, at least matter in the sense of mass marketing. Because in 1928, Listerine launched an ad campaign with the headline, Halitosis Makes You Unpopular. And the ad goes on to say, Quote, 
No matter how charming you may be or how fond of you your friends are, you cannot expect them to put up with halitosis, unpleasant breath, forever. They may be nice to you, but it's an effort. Don't fool yourself that you never have halitosis, as do so many self-assured people who constantly offend this way. Since halitosis never announces itself to the victim, you simply cannot know it when you have it. So, Listerine may not have invented bad breath, but it did invent halitosis, and it also managed to make itself the good guy voice of reason while making everyone mistrustful and afraid. You don't know whether your breath smells worse than a rotting corpse, but it probably does. Your friends won't tell you, but you're killing them. No one, by the way, is going to want to kiss you or love you until you clean up your act. So all of that brings me back to this commercial that caused me to run over the bicycles in my garage. The commercial didn't really feature halitosis. It didn't feature some, you know, like previous Listerine ad campaigns. It didn't feature a sad Edna sitting alone at a dance while everybody else was smooching and loving on each other because her breath stank. In fact, there wasn't any mention of loneliness or social status. So... What's Listerine saying to us now? What has their focus group research told them about what it is we want and where we're headed? Are we past worrying what people think of the way our mouth smells? Does it even matter if we're only seeing each other online? Are we finally rising up against the tyranny of dental floss? I I actually like dental floss. I, I didn't always floss, but I do pretty frequently now. Not every day, but just about. I'm almost 54 years old, and I've never had a cavity. And by the way, I've never met a senior citizen ever who said, oh, man, taking care of my teeth? Yeah, total fucking waste of time. Take care of your teeth. I also don't normally buy stuff that I don't understand, which is why I'm going to saw my fucking car into pieces if it ever tries to overrule my shifting again. I guess the bottom line here, because I didn't write this like a five paragraph essay, I don't have a meaningful conclusion or a recommendation for your life. So if that's why you tuned in, but I will tell you this, being competent and making good critical thinking style decisions based on high quality information and sound logic has never been more important. If you floss, if you don't floss, if you use Listerine, if you don't use Listerine, if you drive an automatic vehicle or a vehicle with a computer chip or a vehicle with two tires and a gear shift that's manual and call it a bicycle, do it for good reasons. Do it with clear-headed thinking and do it in a way that doesn't cost you your relationships, the bicycles in your garage, or your podcast audience. Till next time, I'm David Preston. This has been a Lit AF Riff.